0: Without further ado, I'll introduce our speaker tonight, Vivian. Hi, I'm Vivian. I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, Vivian. First, I want to thank Roy for asking me to speak, and I want to welcome Gabby, who I've known for a long time, and all the Chip and birthday people. It's like, what a great meeting. What a good energy here. Oh, my God. And Leslie, too. This is fabulous. Um, and I used to go to a. I well, to qualify first, I've been absent for 19 years, from uh, sugar somebody I think it was Debbie qualified as a sugar addict right me too me too and I haven't um, I haven't had sugar in all that time because when I came in here it was I mean it's a physical emotional and spiritual disease but they really stressed um, the physical addiction then which I'm very grateful for because I had a terrible physical addiction that um, I had to address the way they talked about it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous like it's an allergy I have an allergy to certain foods and My sponsor knew before I did that they were sweets. Like I didn't, I didn't cotton on to that at first because the the thought of giving up anything, up sugar, anything sweet, it was just so impossible and frightening that I couldn't even imagine doing that. Like Eve, I tried to do it for 24 hours and I couldn't do it. I'm one of the, I'm one of the lucky people I think who, I wasn't able to fool myself that I wasn't a compulsive eater. Because I couldn't even go 24 hours and do and eat the way I wanted to. It was it, There are just millions of seconds in the day. Uh, they say 24 hours, like it's one day, like you do it in one leap. And it's not. It's like there's second after second after second, which takes so long when you're dying to eat. <laughs> and so there was no doubt in my mind. I had taken step one when I got here. I'm in awe. Uh, What it was like, what happened then, what it's like now. I mean, what it was like was I had been, since I was little, I was obsessed with being thin. And I had an eating disorder from a very young age. I remember being put on a diet when I was younger. I had, um, my mother had been overweight when she was younger. And then she got thin at age 16. And she was a very beautiful woman. She became a model after that for a little while. And she, she never had a weight problem again. But feeling like I was her daughter. It's like, you know, I used to eat like she, she ate. And they were like, oh, you know, you have a problem too. And and I look at pictures of myself now, or I have, when I was younger, and I didn't even look that much. Like, I, I thought I would look like obese, and I didn't. I couldn't even really tell that I was overweight. But I guess I was always, they used to refer to it as pleasantly plump then. I was always pleasantly plump, and I was always... I loved sweets. I used to eat, and I would go into oblivion when I ate. I mean, I would eat, like, pickles and potato chips and dream. Like, I could go into just a movie in my head and completely get out of wherever, um, whatever reality was going on at that minute. And that's – I can always do that with food. Can I still do that with food? Probably. But, I mean, to the extent that I used to do it was – just amazing. Like, I never, I didn't know what I was feeling. or Like, I I wanted to avoid bad feelings, basically. Like, if I'm hurt, I don't want to feel that I'm hurt. I want, I would rather go to lunch (laughs) and not even know, you know, and when I start crying later, I'm like, what am I crying about? I can't even connect the two um, before I get abstinent because, because um, just instinctively I reached for, like, something to make it feel better and that food just always works. And food is, you don't have to be 18 or growing up to get food. I mean, you don't have to wait till you're a teenager like you do with drugs and alcohol. You can just, if that's your thing, you can just go for it from a very young age. So, so I did. And I, I went through periods where I was, I, I had a terrible body image, too. I had no idea what I looked like. Like I, I had periods where I was very thin, and I still thought I was fat. If I thought that, if I looked in the mirror, and I was never anorexically thin, like like I was never like Calista Flockhart thin, but I was like thin, like people, like about the same size I am now, and still thought that I was overweight. I would look in. I remember I can remember looking in the mirror at Ann Taylor putting this outfit on and thinking, gee, I look pretty good, and then, you know, not allowed to look good. Recompute. So I, well, I look in the mirror again. Oh, yeah, my butt's sticking out too much. And, you know, oh, I see a little stomach. There, there's the truth. The truth is always something negative about how I look. Like if I thought I looked good, that was a lie. There was something wrong with that. And and today, one of the gifts of the program today, too, is I, I like my body. I think I look good. And that's a separate gift. I know a lot of people. I've sponsored a lot of beautiful women who don't think they look good and think they're fat or think they're, you know, there's something... And I'm happy today that part of the gifts of not only do I not compulsively overeat, not only have I had um, God has relieved that compulsion to eat to eat sugar and to go into oblivion because I couldn't face reality that, um, you know, part of it is feeling I feel comfortable with the way I look. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Anyway, um, c- because it helps, you know, it's just it helps with confidence, you know, it's just a big pain in the butt, really, feeling like you don't look good all the time, and it's, because you wake up with you every day and have to look at the mirror, so it's one of these little things that just me a lot that I got from OA, so I, I would eat, and I would diet, and I would eat, and I would diet, and I was, I was able to really diet before, I had, I had a tremendous amount of willpower, which went out the window <laughs> as my disease progressed, and... I wasn't able to diet anymore. I mean, I, I was able at one point to eat like you know three times a day yogurt and um, and buttermilk, like a cup of yogurt, a cup and a half of yogurt and buttermilk three times a day with um, I think it had wheat germ in it, and yeah, that was that was the diet, and it worked fast, I'll tell you. But it also, just like it says in our book, um, you you end up. With your pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, you end up just, you know, ten steps backwards. Every five steps you go forward. Because it's something you can't keep up as as a lifetime practice, Um, you know, eating abnormally, whether it's too much or too little. So, you know, I'll skip forward to when I I got to program because I think you believe now that I belong here. A lot of people see me eat today and would never believe I have a a problem, but I, I think I've said enough that you would believe me. Uh, I'll just say one more thing. I used to keep a diary of what I ate every day. It was, had three paragraphs on it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, it was like I was just all consumed with food and all this stuff. So anyway, I got to California, Los Angeles, and I met a guy on a bus who um, was very cute, and he introduced me to program, basically. He asked me what time it was. One would not think this is a defining moment in one's life. However, it turned out to be. And so I turned to him and I said, you know, it's lucky. I'm so happy I had a watch. Like, oh, it's, um," because he's very cute. Uh, It's um, whatever it was, 3.30. And he said, you know, thank you. And then turned around. I was like, wow, like my heart's beating. <laughs> like, I, I had absolutely no way to relate to men even when I got here. I was like so happy that we had this successful interaction. Like, hooray. <laughs> and and um, later on, uh, I had, there was a person that I worked with. Um, And I'm another person who, I didn't know what to do when I got out in the work world. Like, I know how to do school, but I have no, I had no idea what to do in the work world. Mm -hmm. I was just, like, a lot. I I hear so many people are dying to leave school. I was, you had to take me kicking and screaming from school because I felt completely lost. Like, I don't know what to do in a job. I don't know how to do that. I know how to open books and sit in the front of the room, and that's about it. And... So I didn't want to do that. So I I was in this job where I was really, I was going nowhere. I, I graduated from college. I got to this job where it was a cable TV concern, and they were always having complaints from people because the service never worked. And I was in charge of, like, fielding complaints and making sure the phone lines were, were in order, basically. I didn't even know what they hired me for, but that's what I ended up doing. And so I was calling the phone company all the time, you know, every day. But I gave myself this grandiose title, like, communications analyst or something. I couldn't even admit what I was because my ego was so big, but, but um, my, my abilities were so little. And so I had met a person there who was in OA, and she was, her name was Barbara Z. She was a she was 100-pounder. She was actually, she had lost many hundreds of pounds, and she was older than I was, and we got along really, really well. She was extremely funny. Do you remember her? Where is she? I haven't seen her in the longest time. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. But um, she was, so she was a very funny woman, She and she took this program really seriously, and she... I would say she was still at least 250, but she had still lost hundreds of pounds. And her, her husband had been an actor, and she had been in a Robert Altman movie, and she was, just, she was just a very funny and very smart and very, we got along great, which was unusual for me because I usually, I was so immature, I never got along with anyone who was uh, older than me. It was either you were my age or you were younger. And she was um, definitely older, but we got along really well. So she said to me, why don't you, you want to go out and just do something outside work? And I go sure, and she said, well, she wanted to see a play and then go to an AA dance, an Alcoholics Anonymous dance. And I just thought, what a bizarre idea! <laughs> <laughs> I had, ne- I think, I had heard of AA from the television because I did not know anyone who was in AA, but I knew that it was, you know, it was for people who had an alcohol problem, and then it worked. And I just imagined a bare light bulb with um, old men in raincoats shuffling about, you know, in the dark, back and forth. <laughs> And I, and the one thing about my, with my eating disease, I used to look in the mirror and if there was somewhere that I, that I wanted to go to, if I didn't think I looked good enough, I wouldn't go. But I thought, who the hell cares who sees me in this AA dance? <laughs> so I was all ready to go. I said, you yeah, know, why not? And I thought, I like doing bizarre things. This is certainly strange. Let's do it. So, so I went to this dance and guess who was there? The guy on the bus. That out of all the eleven million people in Los Angeles, that same guy that I had seen that morning on the bus was at the dance. And so I went up to him and he was like dancing. <laughs> I went up to him and I was like, You yeah, know, were you on the bus today? And he's like, Oh yeah, hi, how are you? So he starts dancing and we're dancing together. I'm thinking, God, this is the cutest guy. And he starts talking about how he had just left his job because of drinking and all this stuff. And I was so embarrassed for him. I couldn't believe he was telling me all this stuff. And he asked me on an AA date. He goes, would you like to go to an AA meeting tomorrow night? I thought, another bizarre activity. (laughs) Like, why not? So I said, yeah, if you meet me there. Because I was afraid he would ditch me and I'd be at this place where I didn't know where the hell I was. Um, if you meet me there and call me beforehand, I'll go. So I went to this AA meeting, and through that, I mean Barbara was Barbara never didn't never thought that I had a problem with food because she couldn't imagine that people who weren't very overweight could have a problem with food. But um, later she was later I was sitting at a a long table at dinner. I think it was um I think we were actually at the Pacific at the Pacific Group um, New Year's Eve party, and she was like, "What happened to that like cupcake that was sitting here?" I was like. I ate it. Like, I couldn't stand it. It was sitting there for so long. It was just... This is the way I was with food. It's like, I have to, you know, like, either eliminate it or get it out of my sight. And if it's... I I need to eat it or else if it's sitting there, I have to have it. Because it just preys on my mind. So I went to... So I went to this AA dance. And then then he... uh, We ended up dating for a while. And he poked me in the the hips one day. And he goes, you need to go to OA. Um, you're, You're like overweight. And of course, I'm like totally... I've already told you how I deal with bad feelings, like, um, you know, I eat something, so I didn't even feel hurt at this, I just was like, um, okay, where do I go? You know, there's something, there's something for me that'll work for my for my weight, you know, I, and because it was uh, something that happened that was an offshoot of Alcoholics Anonymous, I knew it would work, because I knew AA worked, so I knew this would work. So I went to my first meeting, and I was, I remember sharing about, it was, about how I used to go through grocery stores just eating my way through and just figure lunch, you know, I'd save some money. And people were like, yes, yeah, well, we, we understand, we relate. And, I, and people were sharing things that I knew I was home. Like, I'd never heard people share about food in this way, and they seemed to have a solution. And I was really excited. <laughs> I was really excited because... I didn't want to be fat. I mean, I knew I I had taken step one like a long time ago. I knew I was powerless over food. I didn't know when the next time was going to be that I'd be able to control it and diet. I really didn't. And then they and then they had a strange way of going about it. They said, "Um, they you have to act as if there's a god and pray that there and pray to God." And I just thought, I was at this point. I was an agnostic, someone who I have nothing for or against God, but. He hadn't proved to me he was there yet, so I didn't really want to talk about it. But they said, just do this, and I thought, how hypocritical. You know, I'm going to pray to this God, and I didn't even believe that there is a God, and they go, you know what, that doesn't matter. This is how the program works, and you don't have to believe it. You just have to take these actions, and if you like, you can believe that the group around you has more power than you do yourself. Now, that was easy for me to believe because all these people around here were. They also wanted me to do well. It was a very supportive group. Um, like OA meetings are, people want you to do well. So uh, so I held on to that, and Barbara Z was my, I got her to be my first sponsor, and she, it was even hard for me to ask her to be my sponsor, and she is such a nice person. I mean, you can't even imagine somebody so friendly and, you know, unintimidating, and it was, I was terrified for asking her to sponsor me. I was terrified asking anyone to do anything, and I realized I was just, Man, I was just so full of fear. I had for really forgotten who I was, and who, and I didn't want to tell you who I was, because I, I was of the opinion that if I have problems, I should be able to solve them. And if you have problems, I don't want to hear about them, because I'm solving my problems, damn it. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear anything from you either. So I was walking around being very false about things, and, and I remember seeing the 12 steps and, and looking at the big book, and it just seemed like such a high salutin way to live. I was just so impressed. I mean made a searching and fearless moral inventory, and I I felt really ashamed of the way I was living. I was like, here I was, going through alleyways when I could, hiding behind, you know, so no one could see how fat I was. I mean, I was so obsessed with how I looked. I would go through alleyways, so I wouldn't have to go through, like, main streets where people would see me. And here, you know, um, asking God to remove your shortcomings, making a list of amends. Um, making actual amends to people I mean this was just so high level and I was really impressed and, and I thought this makes sense I bet you a lot of the things I am a lot of the times I'm eating it's because I'm eating over things that I'm ashamed of or, or you know, things that I did that I feel bad about and it, it made sense to me that this program would work also I had never tried anything like it before If it had been like the next Cosmo diet, I knew that wouldn't work because I'd done so many diets. It had to be something I had never heard of or thought of before. So I jumped into this um, with all the fervor of someone who wants to get an A in class because that is just my personality. And they said, stick with the winners. So I did. And the winners, for anyone who um, is new, are people who come to meetings regularly, who make sense when they share. Um, <laughs> and even as a newcomer you can tell this and I noticed that people who, who had a lot of time seemed to make the most sense and I thought you know this is good and get commitments they told me to get commitments and I got commitments right away I got in with people who they're like um, I remember somebody raising my hand to share like you know because I didn't think anything that I had to say was worth listening to I mean if I can't amuse you why should I even be up here? And, my, and I got in with the crowd. They were just like, you know, get up and share. And they raised my hand. I got up there. I go, did I do all right? They're like, oh, you did good, kid. I was like, great. <laughs> like, I just did whatever everybody told me to do. And I became secretary of the newcomer's meeting, even at a month. And I even I started, somebody asked me to sponsor them. And I started sponsoring them. Did I know what I was doing? No. I did not know what I was doing. But I was willing to do it which is all that matters here. If you're willing to take the action, it doesn't matter how lame you think you are, you will still get well, is my experience. So so I think the first thing that cleared up was my work situation. I, I told you I was in this job where I was just calling up the phone company all day. Lines are broken. Trunk this is gone. You know, like this, you know. And I would get there. It didn't even matter what time I got there. It was just such a, I found that the worse worker I am, the worse jobs I get. And the better job worker I become, the better jobs I get. And I think there is a direct correlation. <laughs> so when I, when I first got here, um, they told me, show up on time and smile. Uh-huh. Now, this is still, to this day, this is the best work advice I've ever gotten in my life. And this is 20 years ago, almost, I, I, I got this advice. And it's still, if, you, if anybody's having a problem in the work area, show up on time and smile. <laughs> because it, it sure as heck worked for me. I got, first of all, I never would get anywhere on time. I always would get there late. I have a thing about, I hate getting places on time. It makes me, I'm afraid maybe you won't be there. I don't like getting there on time, but they made me get there on time. So I got there a little earlier, wherever. And I smiled the whole way. And that that first year, I got a, a bonus for being, like, one of the best employees. They gave me, like, a, they didn't even give these out. They give out spot bonuses for you being a great employee, and it was, like, equal to, like, one-tenth of my, like, 10% of my salary, which at that time was, like, you know, $12,000 a year. It was nothing. but was still, wow, $1,000. Like, I just couldn't believe it. And I've gotten better and better jobs since then, just just by that, by being a service. By, also, when I got here, I thought um, my ego was so big, I thought, I am so much smarter than all of you, but please don't give me anything more difficult than Xeroxing, because I don't think I can do it was basically how I approached work and and then Xeroxing suddenly like I realized the correct answer to Xeroxing is I'd love to. And going going off and doing it and doing the absolute best job possible in as quick a time as possible and then handing it in. And with that kind of attitude, people keep giving you better jobs to do. So and today today it's funny I'm here. I lost um, I lost my job last Friday, the the Friday before, which is which is a shame, but it's, you know, partly the economy. But that was a damn great job. I mean, I worked at home. I worked at home, and I had, and I got paid at a nice hourly rate, and I had um, clients on this really great account, and, I mean, it was, it was an enviable job. I was, you know, lucky to have it. So it just, and now, now I'm putting out my resume, and I think I'm going to decorate my house if I don't find anything. So it just keeps, keeps getting better and better in that area. The next thing, I think, was parents. Like, when I got here, I had a very antagonistic relationship with my mother, especially. With my dad, really not, because my dad is so, and my dad and I have never locked horns. My dad is a very low-key guy. He's um, He never gets in anyone's business. He's just a nice guy, but my mother and I, um, we seem to have a lot of the same character defects in so we were always sort of fighting each other. Like, I'd get on the phone, and in our family, nobody yells, nobody screams, nobody fights. However, we'd get to the, I mean, we couldn't stand each other, and we'd get to the point where we'd just be just a second away from, like, <coughs> from saying, screaming, and then we'd hang up. But it's just a bad relationship. So my sponsor suggested to me, why don't you call up your parents and just say hello to them, you know, instead of asking them for money all the time. And... This had never occurred to me before. I mean, I have such a bad attitude as a um daughter. I thought, you know, if you if you had me, then, you know, hey, you asked for it. <laughs> and, you know, I need money. I'm not not earning enough. I need to pay rent. And I was just really bad that way. And I just it didn't it had never occurred to me to just call up and say hi. Also, because I didn't know what else to say to them. And my sponsor said, oh, because we didn't have a close relationship. They're not, they're not touchy-feely type of parents either. I mean, they're nice people, but they're not like, oh, tell us your, you know, they're not like pal parents. They're like parent parents. And so my sponsor said, you don't have to say a lot. You know, just write down a few things that are non-controversial, and, which is a key. And um, just tell them a few things about your life, and then you can hang up. Uh, so I did that. I called up. I said hello. I didn't ask for anything. And I did this for a long, long time. And and slowly things started to get better. And, and at one point, even to, to make it funny, I mean, you know how a lot of times you give something away and you get it back. At one point, I when I, when I first got out of school, I really did not realize how little money I was making. I, just, I, I did not have a concept, though. I thought when you got out, you'd get a job and you'd be able to pay your bill. We you get out of school, for me anyway, I got out of school and I got a job and not making much money and I didn't know that I couldn't pay my bills. So I got, I got into credit card debt before I realized I don't have any money. And then I cut back. And at one point, and I wasn't asking my parents for money anymore. And at one point, they, my mom called me and said, you know, we've decided to pay off one. Because I wanted them to co-fine a, a thing to consolidate your credit cards onto one bill instead of, you know, 20% interest a year. And she goes, well, we decided to pay one of your credit cards off. I mean, and that was great. I mean, and I didn't ask for it. I'm sure if I would have asked for that, I never, ever would have gotten it because she was pissed at me with good reason. And today we have a a very good relationship. We don't have, like, the palsy-wowsy, like we tell each other every little dark secret, but we, we... I laugh a lot with her. We, we get along very well. And I, I actually choose to spend Christmas with my parents. I go and I spend like 10 days with them, which, which I, I don't have to do. And, but I want to. I have a good time with them now. And they really are fun parents. They like to go do things. And that relationship turned completely around just from calling up and saying hi. You know, really tiny little things turn stuff around that you have to wait it out. You have to wait out, like showing up on time and smiling. You can't do it once. You have to do it consistently for a long time, and then things start to turn around. And then I think the last thing is relationships. I was, as I said, yeah, I sort of gave you a clue about how bad I was at relationships when I, you know, asking someone, that, or telling someone the time was like a big success story for me. Like, wow, we did that and got got away with it. Hooray. When when I came here, I, I was, first of all, I was terrified of men, and I... I remember I would, when I first got in here, I would flirt with you until you asked me out. And then I figured, well, that's enough. you're know, like, that, to me, that was a notch on my bedpost. <laughs> like, that's enough. Mm. Next. Because <laughs> I just couldn't even deal with the whole thing. I just had, just very bad, just a lot of fear. And so I went through, and, and before when I got in here, too, I, I had a lot of, I usually don't mention this, but I will since it's, coming into my mind but I was in I'm, I'm in AA too and when I would drink I mean I would just I had a lot of like one night stands and I was just I, and I always thought I was in love I mean I, I mean, I am so such a delusional romantic I just, I just really had no idea what was going on and and so I had to go through that stage again of like you know we weren't in love like I don't get it and it always felt like a train wreck it felt like I like I was hit by a train. Like, where was the, the beginning, middle, and end of this? Like, I used to, like, take a calendar and, you, like, cross up, like, oh, made another day. Hooray! You know, if we made, like, 30 days, it was, like, huge. I just did not know how to do those things. And I really wanted to know how, but didn't know how. And then one day somebody told me, I don't know how it came up, somebody told me to go to Al-Anon. And that really, really did the, did it for me. I realized there are a lot of. Even though there's not much alcoholism in our family, I mean, I found out my great-grandfather's an alcoholic, and I have a cousin who's a really bad drug addict. But pretty much everybody else doesn't drink, doesn't nothing. I mean, the, uh, you know, and no eating issues, nothing. You know, just pretty very normal family. But the behavior, a lot of that behavior that goes along with that, um, has still been passed down into our family, and so I did not know that a lot of the, A lot of the things I was doing in relationships were um, I was making the wrong compromises. Like, I did not know that, um, for instance, I didn't know that you don't have to say your opinion all the time to be, um, you can just be quiet and not cause a fight. I thought I was lying if I wasn't, like, I'm not being truthful if I don't tell you exactly how I feel all the time. And they told me, no, you don't have to do that. You, you're you're not lying. You can just, like, keep your peace. I was just like, wow, that was, like, huge. And I didn't know to, I did not know how to make healthy compromises with myself. I did not know that how to um, keep the things that I like to do and be the things that I like to be and not always just do whatever you wanted to do. I really did not know how to do that. I mean, And yet, I wouldn't do things like, Like, if you wanted me to, like, cook your dinner, that was five minutes? Okay. Well, okay. If you wanted me to, and then I had, like, things that I wouldn't compromise on that were really silly in in retrospect. Like, I would not, like, if you wanted me to cook dinner for you, forget it. Like, I would not, the thought of it just made me enraged. Like, what? I'm equal to you? Forget it. I'm not serving you. And today, I realized that was, and also, it really mattered to me whether you stayed with me or not, even if I didn't like you. It really mattered to me. And Ellen really and uh, you know, I just have to mention it because it was it was a combination of OA of like all my programs and finally going to Ellen but it really changed for me. Like when I met my husband, I really I like I didn't care anymore. It's like, you know what? If you don't like me, I don't care. Like <laughs> I am not so bowled over by you that, you know, I'll do anything to keep you here. I'm just not that impressed. And it, and I just was sort of myself, and the the funny thing it was sort of like a boomerang. It's like if you throw it out and you're yourself, a lot of times it comes back anyway. You know, I thought, you don't, know, if you if you don't. But I re- I realized too, even if you if you will compromise yourself to the point where so they people stay, they leave anyway. So what's the point? <laughs> so, um, so I just, but it had to be an interchange in me, and that that's what happened. It was like an interchange. Where I just. I really surrendered, i just and surrender feels like oh, I don't care <laughs> like I just don't care, and that that made a big difference and today, I am happily married, which is i hadn't had i've been married for five years now, i hadn't had my longest term relationship had been i think it was it was two and a half years but one one and a half of them we were living in you know different countries even so or apart. I mean, and it was when I was in college. It was that, that long ago. And I consider that an absolute miracle that today, that was the final frontier. But to, today, relationships are good. So, what, I have five minutes? Oh, you know, I'll take questions. Because that's... You if you can, uh, this. If you want to do questions, I mean, that's pretty much all the things I have learned since... Um, you know, I could talk about God, too, though. Here, let's talk about God. Because <laughs> when... Because that is very important. Um... When I first got here, I did not, I didn't have a spiritual program at all, and it didn't bother me that I didn't have one. Uh, I wasn't, like, against God or for, I was very neutral about God, but luckily, they, they tell you in the big book, um, I guess they figure there are a lot of us who don't know how to interact with God, because they have a few pages on how you should do this, should you have any questions, and they say, you know, um, on awakening, this one's on awakening, and I, I just, all I did was repeat the words from on awakening when I first started, and... Um, I can never remember what they are when I'm standing from a podium, but um, I just, I yellowed them in just as if I would, highlighted them as if I were in school. I just used it as a textbook and just said them out loud. And when, I remember when I first got abstinent too, it was very near here, a place called Cafe Casino. I remember I was, there were a lot of French pastries in this place. A lot of people from OA used to go. There were a lot of French pastries, but there was also healthy food, and I was like circling the pastries. (laughs) <laughs> and and I didn't know whether, and I thought, you know, and when you have no days or one day, it's not such a big deal to go out. You know, or you figure, eh hey, who cares, you know, start another day. But, I, and I thought, well, let me try, I'm, let me just pray to God, because they say to do that. Oh, God, some prayer, probably, you know, please help me, something like this. And it wasn't as if I felt like, burning bush or woof. It didn't feel like, oh, the desire was taken away. But I did end up walking out. I ended up walking out. I think that was a real turning point when I started putting together days. And, you know, once you do it sometime together, then it becomes more precious. And because I kept on going to meetings and I kept, um, you know, I still talk to God. And today I believe all the I, – I pretty much – I've surrendered just about everything. I, I guess you can't completely surrender, but in my, in my conscious mind, I don't think there's anything that I can do better than God. I don't. <laughs> I think at the very best, I could maybe guess what God has in mind for me and then do that. But I don't think I can get higher than God. So why don't I just ask God? And if that's the best I can get to is trying to guess what God is, wants for me, I might as well ask God to do for me. And I have gotten there by trial and error, just by you know falling down, getting bruised ankles, and and if it it always seems to work out better when I give things over to God. So it can't be a coincidence if it happens over and over and over. So I think there. I talked about I talked about God. I I am happy to take any questions if you have any questions, and and thanks for letting me share. What's that? Oh, okay. Are there any questions? And I've been, I will repeat them in the mic. Otherwise, I'll start talking about something else if you have no questions. Yes? Okay, what do I, what do I eat each day? Um, my absence is no sugar, which, and I'm happy to be specific about it. Um, it's, if sugar's in the first three ingredients, I don't have it. So, and I got that from my favorite diet dressing. It had it was creamy cucumber, and sugar was the fourth ingredient, so that was how I chose that. And it's worked all these years. But so my abstinence, I don't eat sugar, and that's something that it's, I don't have to work against. I really feel like that place, and I have for years, that place in, um, that they talk about in the big book where we neither recoil from the flame nor, nor are cocky. I mean, the problem has just been removed. That's absolutely true with me for sugar. And... I have eaten healthier and healthier three meals a day the longer I am abstinent. I mean, if you want to know what I I eat typically, I mean, I have coffee, I have juice, oatmeal, and then I'll have some kind of protein and vegetable for lunch, maybe a salad or something. It depends. um, Or a sandwich. Very boring. I mean, and something similar for dinner. It's just very, it just sounds like normal eating. It's not like a magic elixir. But the, the thing is I'm able to do that now and I wasn't able to do that before. And I don't I don't feel this compulsion to eat when I'm not hungry. That that was, you know, huge. Now I pretty much eat when I'm hungry and when I'm not I don't. Pretty much. Nothing's perfect, but pretty much. Yes. Are you a label reader? Um, am I a label reader? It depends if it's a if it's something like that I've never seen before. I mean, if it's gosh, I don't eat too many new things. If it's something new that I haven't seen, like if it's some kind of dressing or or I will eat um, fruit juice sweetened desserts. If it's if it's fruit juice, not if it's sorb um, cane sugar or brown sugar or anything like this, but. So I'll look at that and see if there's something in there. That's usually the only time I have to look, because otherwise I eat so many healthy things. I mean, what do you have to look at for a lettuce? What do you have to look at for, you know, cherries? Oh, okay. I'm not a diabetic, so no, I am. Okay, that's fine. But I'm saying that you have to be conscious what you eat because there's stuff out there people say that it doesn't have sugar in it. But it does have sugar in it. Okay, well, then your your case is a little different from mine. I only have to look at labels if I'm eating something that's packaged that I've never seen before, but it m- me personally, if you're asking me personally, I don't have to read a lot of labels because I eat so many things that are just so obvious as what they are, like it's a chicken. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's, that's another program that I, but I, I will, since I spoke about it, I'll just give it to you briefly. I mean, it's, for me, this was my experience, that it, it was just, it was like Relationships Anonymous. I mean, people use it classically for if there is an alcoholic in your family to be able to deal with that or an alcoholic that you know, but for me, this just, it showed me a lot of, Bad patterns that I had with dealing with relationships that I didn't know were there that I think were just passed on through the family just because um, because they were and so it was a big turning point for me because it was something I was not able to find in OA just itself as much as I worked the program and sponsored people and um, I needed to get this extra help yes what was it What was the turning point when you actually believed that God was in your life and you surrendered and how do you you find your higher power and how has that changed over the years? What a great question. Um, That has been in different steps. Like, I found that my belief in a higher power increases with everything that, every issue that I finally get so sick of, running myself, that I, I decided to give God a chance, basically. Um, I also found out which things I, am, I didn't care about. Strangely enough, work. Even though I was a very ambitious person, I really gave that to God immediately. I really didn't care. I was not holding on to it. And that was the one that improved the fastest relationships was the one that I didn't want to give to God because I really, it mattered so much to me and I did not, I, I held it right to me because I thought, what if God wants me to be um, an old maid for the rest of my life? I can't deal with it. I won't do it. And I just held on to it and held on to it until finally one day it occurred to me, God couldn't do any worse of a job than I have. yeah you know, why don't I give him a year or two? See how he does. And I, I didn't know why it took me so long to even think of that because it wasn't like I was having a lot of success in this area. But the light comes whenever the light comes. So little, it's just been little by little like that. I remember, I remember one time in my very early abstinence and maybe the first few months where I had something that I needed to say to somebody who had hurt my feelings, which I wasn't used to talking to people who had hurt my feelings. I'm used to like you know eating over that and. And getting back to them in an underhanded fashion that they they may even never know about it, because um, we often punish ourselves when we have resentments. But I was I I, I wanted to tell this person that he hurt my feelings, and somebody said to me like, "Why don't you pray for God for to God for the words?" And I just thought this was a stupid thing to do <laughs> like like how stupid. I thought, oh, I'll do it anyway. So I prayed to God for the words. And it came out really well. And even at that point, I didn't quite believe. I said, well, it's a coincidence. (laughs) like, It's a coincidence. But if you keep on doing these experiments where, okay, let's ask God to do it, to take this now. God, please give me the words. God, um, I'm really frightened about something that's going to happen. Please help me with this. And when they keep coming out well, constantly, no longer can it be a coincidence. Or else it would be randomly happening well and randomly not. But after trying these so many different times um, over the years with different things, that, that's what's convinced me. It's an educational variety of learning about God. But every, I've noticed that every single thing that I have surrendered has come out well and all the things that I, that I am not able to surrender. And there's nothing you can do except keep on going to meetings and wait it out when you don't want to surrender. You can't make yourself surrender, I've found. You just have to like keep on going until the time comes. (laughs) And it will come if you keep on going to meetings and keep working a program, the time will come and the surrender will come. Is it time? Twenty five minutes. Right on. Thank you very much.